All right, folks, welcome back to another episode, episode numero dos of the Latin Live Sports Podcast. We're here with two very special guests following up our first now with Hayden Bow and Steffi Cohen, owners of Hybrid Performance Method, also founders, uh, local to Miami. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, well, we got Canada and the U.S. But our headquarters here in, in Canada, or in Miami. <laughs> here in Canada. feels like Canada. Yeah. This is the, yeah, right? <laughs> episode two. Four people, three Canadians. That's, what? What? Matt's a Canadian. Matt Fraser was Canadian. He, yeah, yeah. That's that was role. actually yeah, yeah. so he when he was doing weightlifting in Canada, we had some overlap. We figured out at dinner, and uh, we just never like you know we didn't know who each other wa- were at the time. Oh, you remember was, seeing him? I, I remember there being a guy who used to compete in Ontario, and he was very good at the time. So people kind of knew who like that he was. So, uh, like a good weightlifter mm-hmm. and that he had gone to the states and come back and he sort of was like this this guy that people knew of that it was going to come in and, and he was still able to compete at the Ontario Provincial Championships for some for some reason I think maybe that's his his permanent residence was there in Ontario still or something I don't know but uh, yeah he was kind of like a local meat legend back then wow yeah he yeah. Had, he's carries a passport and his they have homes in in, uh, in Ontario yeah. dual, so he has dual citizenship yeah Okay, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. so how long, Hayden, have you been down here in Miami then if you're originally from Canada? Uh, about four years now. Okay, so is that is four years ago when you two met? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at the Seoul uh, MIA I Classic. I haven't been able to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just came down, stayed. Now you're stuck with me. Yeah. So you came down to compete in that meet and then that's when you met Steffi could you tell the the crowd I know you guys are now their lovers and business partners all in one but uh share with our audience no, a little more about your story tell the full story of like why you were doing in the states all that type of stuff that's interesting we were doing like um sort of like a, a nationwide tour with working against gravity at the time so we were just a road trip me my best friend Francesco who uh is now our head nutrition coach uh Adi was there, uh, and then we had a camera guy who he, he didn't make it the whole trip with us, but <laughs> he started off. And, oh boy! Uh, yeah, so we were just going city to city, kind of you know making our presence known in different places and trying to do collaborations with people and all that stuff, just networking. And uh, we knew Danny Soul, mm-hmm. and uh, decided to do that meet I had done it the year before because I trained with Travis Mash, and he brought his whole team down uh, the year before, and uh, ended up meeting Steph at that meet. I say meeting, the short The short story is that I met Steph at, at the MI Classic, but the the real version of the story is that I actually, actually slipped Slid into the DM. Oh, <laughs> nice. yeah. a modern day romance. Yeah, right? <laughs> so back then, um, Steph was in grad school and she just kind of was doing a bunch of different side hustle type things and you were selling singlets she would import them from Venezuela and back then you could only in weightlifting you could only really get Adidas singlets and like in three different colors so your options were super limited I could have been the new virus you know what I mean yeah you had cool ones pre-virus I have an Adidas singlet by the way this is a little known fact about me but Can you please wear that next time we go? <laughs> There's to probably out? a photo on the internet. Don't find that. <laughs> oh, you got it. Yeah, but we. Uh, so I, I saw that she was selling those, and I just pretended like I wanted one so I could talk to her. <laughs> That's and awesome. uh, you know, we got talking. It turned out that she trained at CrossFit Seoul. Me and my buddy Francesco, we ended up extending the trip and staying in town for a lot longer than we were planning on. 
And after that, we just started taking a bunch of trips together. I kept flying down to Florida to see her, and it got to the point where, you know, the business was online, and uh, there was nothing really keeping me in Toronto necessarily, so I was like, yeah, might as well just move down. And so how quickly did you guys get into business together? Two years in, maybe? Or no? No. no. Maybe a year. A year? A year. A year, yeah. I... Uh, I ended up selling my interest in working against gravity to a D, mm -hmm. uh, and then I was looking for the next thing. And Steffi and I were both training, uh, both Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting at the time, and competing in, in both of those. So we kept getting questions all the time, you know, of how we do that because they're they're tough sports to do together. They're both they're both kind of you know give you a beating, sort of the same way CrossFit does. But uh, we got enough questions that we thought maybe there might be interest and. Threw up a, or sorry, developed a software that was kind of the first thing we had going in behind the scenes. Uh, and then when we thought the software was at a stage where it was ready, we wanted to get some beta testers to test the program that we, we wrote and then also the software if it had any bugs or whatever. And our goal, I think, at the time was 15 people, 10 to 15, we wanted to get uh, to beta test the program. We didn't know if we could even get that. Um, but we offered, you know, do it at a discounted rate. I think we were charging like 15 bucks a month for the beta testers or something. And then um, we we put it out online and we ended up getting 400 applications for it. Like wow. Oh, wow. That's cool. So that was sort of the, the point where we realized, oh, there's really an interest in what we're doing and we should put more into it. And uh, yeah, after that, we basically if we got asked for a program, a certain type of programming a bunch of times, whether it be just Olympic weightlifting or powerlifting or strongman, whatever it was, we'd start adding those programs in and hiring coaches for, for those disciplines. I was, um, I was in grad school at a time when we first started the, uh, the company. And we were, so attendance is required at the University of Miami PT School. Oh, shameless plug for you. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And um, so I had to be in school for eight, nine hours a day, but behind a computer, you know, for the most part. And I would just kind of like do hybrid all day long. We did everything from, we had some t-shirts, so we did everything from like customer service, packing, shipping, um, answering questions in the Facebook group, inputting the training, uh, filming the videos for like the, uh, the exercise library. We did kind of like everything. And just the two of you. You didn't have anybody yeah. under you, no, no yeah. interns or anything, at least yeah. initially. What do you guys credit? You said you were hoping 10 to 15 and then ended up with 400. Um, <coughs> you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you credit that big number to at the launch. Was there anything special you guys did? Like what was your marketing strategy at that time when you were just looking for beta testers? I think uh, the initial push was partially the novelty of what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, back then... Um, there wasn't really anybody offering anything like that. That's sort of what we brand as hybrid style training, where our, our motto was look like a bodybuilder, lift like a powerlifter, move like a weightlifter. And it sort of encompassed all of the things that most people wanted to get out of the gym, which is being stronger, being athletic, and actually looking like you lift too. So I think that sort of was interesting at the beginning. Also, uh, you know, the Instagram space was smaller back then, so we didn't have like a huge, a big following, and you know we were pretty new. But no, no, I think we had like three thousand followers at the time. I had more followers than her back then. Really? That was big at yeah. the time. When Hayden real. started talking to me, I think he had like twelve thousand followers, and I'm like, damn, I'm dating a celebrity. <laughs> Yo, 
damn, I'd never be able to get you now, yeah. huh? Uh, no. Tables have turned. No. <laughs> Dylan, you had more followers at the time. I was like, yeah, around like, <laughs> now I'm Instagramless Dylan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think the novelty played a role also. Yeah. Uh, obviously, CrossFit at the time was exploding, so that was bringing a lot more attention to the other strength sports, Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting. Powerlifting over the like first couple years that we were running the program exploded as well. So I think timing was really good and then and the novelty of the program. And also I think a differentiating factor was the fact that Steph could put out uh, informational content and educational content that was sort of a level above what a lot of our competitors were doing. Yeah, I think academic credentials also played a big role. Just the fact that I had gone to school for ex-phys and then I was getting a doctorate in physical therapy. I kind of knew what I was talking about. Kind of knew how to write. <laughs> Still knows. I say yeah. kind of. <laughs> no, you're really good. Uh, right, right, obviously, you've developed a ton. But, yeah, I think I think those things made a big difference. And, and also, I think that we always, even when we were just very very small and starting out we always at least wanted the appearance of, of having a big presence and, and having a, a legitimate company so right from day one we came up with a company name you know we we presented in a professional way where i think a lot of the time and a, a mistake a lot of people make they'll just say oh, I'm, i like powerlifting i want to do uh you know have a powerlifting programming company i'm gonna just put you know email me for programming right. Right. they're not willing to take any risks whatsoever like you have to register a company you have to create start building a company recognition and presence and invest in a software potentially and i don't know you know put something into it not yes. just offer training via email right that's yeah. the, that's the, differ- the differentiating factor for you guys for sure the user experience is way better there's no doubt um with that said from 400 now to where it's at now you know what has changed about what you guys now provide to the market? And then two, where are you guys at 400 then? How many current subscribers, if you would call that, clients do you guys currently have? Uh, yeah, we're at around 10,000 now. Wow, that's a big number. So we have uh, <laughs> yeah. We have uh, two sides of the, the company too on the online programming side, uh, in the online programming space, and mm-hmm. that's training and nutrition. So on the nutrition side, it's a higher price point, but you work one-on-one with a, a coach and you have weekly check-ins, 24-hour access to them and all that stuff. Uh, on the training side, uh, it's less expensive and you get a templated program, but uh, something that was sort of, that sort of enabled us to continue to increase the value that we put into those programs is every time we release one, it gets added to the membership. So yeah. when we had one program, uh, it was $40. But now we have, we have 16 two, three, programs four, for yeah. $40. So now it's, you, know, you have access mm. to 16 that you can switch through at any time. And I think that's uh, been helpful for us as well because our goal was always to be you know, the one-stop shop sort of for all things fitness. We've also, we've also increased or improved the experience in the Facebook group from like a, both a community aspect and um, kind of like a, a service as well. So before it was only me and Hayden answering questions in the Facebook group, and obviously things get lost in there mm-hmm. if, if it's only two people answering. We should also say that, so the membership comes with access to a Facebook oh, group. Yeah. Okay. So if you're in training, you get into a training group that's moderated by all the coaches and moderators, and then there's a nutrition group as well for the nutrition. And, you're, and that's like all people, all programs 
in one group. You don't channel people. Like, hey, if I'm a CrossFitter doing your CrossFit program, am I in a se- separate no, group? No, we just keep everyone in the same group. But what I was getting into before he interrupted me was that. <laughs> I just wanted them to know that what we have the, the Facebook group for. So, you know? so we found a way to kind of systematize uh, the process of training moderators so that we're all on the same page as far as like queuing goes and, and making sure that we're like, explaining things the same way. Um, and just having, obviously, having more moderators so that things don't get lost okay. in, the, in the group. Right. Yeah. It started with literally just me and Steffi, and now we have mm-hmm. 16 moderators, Steffi and I, and then all the coaches of the individual programs as well. Yeah. So there's, a, like, a pretty much team. nothing gets gets missed in yeah. that group. I mean, we can do some marriage counseling right now if you guys want. That was, that was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Trust me, we've all been there. Well, we're, you know, we're obviously, you know... Um, concentrated crossfit right we do more at our events but you know we always kind of that's our platform um where is that what i'm always interested to hear from people from the outside but are you're not really outside you do it you program it right you've done it before right both of you what do you think of it like what do you you know i mean i think um you know where does it fit into your ecosystem but like what what do you think of crossfit like what what has it done with for you uh you know, do you do you like it? Do you think it? You know, because I mean, we've seen all sides of it. You know, we know there's an an, an awesome business side to it, but you know, what do you think of the training? Like, what you know, the training and the sport. I think uh, well, I have a few th- on the business side. Uh, I love it. I think as a powerlifter, weightlifter, strongman. Well, you think I'm too quiet? Not- no, because you always run away from the mic. As a powerlifter, weightlifter, or uh, strongman, so weird. <laughs> I love this. You, uh, I mean, ten or fifteen years ago, you, you, you were pretty much limited to just being a coach in a gym, uh-huh. or you know, working a day job, and and then doing your, uh, you know, what you actually like doing on the side or on weekends. So it's CrossFit was able to bring attention to all these sports that were pretty much dying, right. and now we get to make a living doing that. So I think that aspect of it is obviously awesome. I think as a sport, it's uh, great, and I think it gets a bit of a bad rap mm-hmm. because when you look at, you know, CrossFit gets a ton of heat for you know injuries and certain things being unsafe. Like one of the favorite ones that weightlifters like to bash it for is doing high rep Olympic lifts and mm-hmm. then saying it's not safe or whatever. But if your standard for what makes a good sport, if your standard for what makes a good sport is it being safe. What, what are you talking about? You know, like, look at football. You have 300-pound dudes running into each other with their heads. Yeah. You know, obviously, safety is not America's number one, you know, criteria for sports. So, yeah. in that sense, I think it really does get a bad rap. Um, but, I mean, as a training methodology, I think just people need to be able to differentiate between the professional sport side of it and the, the you know, weekend warrior health side of it the thing is that initially with their marketing there was no differentiating it was like everyone was called an athlete everyone could go to the crossfit games everyone trained this trains the same sure kind of thing I, and i think that part of their marketing was really effective for them because so. if you're somebody who played sports when you're like i could just picture somebody like my dad who played football competitively super competitive guy he wants to be treated like an athlete he doesn't want to be treated like an executive yeah totally that was one of the things that that drove me into crossfit was that exactly just being able to be in a class and have a coach and be pushed mm-hmm. and everyone yeah. being being like competitive and having like a time to strive for absolutely i think only from a from a physical therapy standpoint i think 
one thing that, especially towards the initial stages of CrossFit, was that it was hard for CrossFit as an organization to oversee every single uh, CrossFit coach that was coming out of their, their, their training or their seminars and teaching in the individual boxes and kind of like um, making sure that everyone was teaching the same way and, and progressing people in an, in an appropriate way. So something that I saw firsthand and I experienced it was I was being thrown to doing movements that I was definitely not ready for. Right. And I just felt like there wasn't an appropriate progression for someone that comes fresh off of the street, you know, from what was I doing, soccer and running, to and never having lifted a weight in my life, to literally throwing a barbell over my head with weights on that I wasn't ready for. So I just think that they just lacked systems um, and oversight of their, their trainers initially to prevent people from getting injured and having bad, bad experiences at the beginning of their CrossFit careers. We, I would say that it really hasn't changed either. It's just not their business model. They have a very laissez-faire, let gyms distinguish themselves over another. And as long as you have that base level certification of a level one, you're technically deemed eligible to open a CrossFit affiliate. And it's up to the specific gym to then distinguish themselves from others. And then the clients, therefore, must make an educated decision based on what they know in the market. Unfortunately, early on, not very many people knew what CrossFit was. And as they went from to one gym, they thought this is how it was everywhere, and they just put all their eggs in that basket. Now I think the consumer's a little more educated. Um, so, But I, but I t- totally hear your, your perspective, especially at the onset of when CrossFit was still pretty fresh in South Florida, which now it's become very much so a uh, hotbed of, of CrossFit gyms, and the community here is really booming. But uh, you guys also own a gym as, as well. Do you guys have anyone that, that trains CrossFit within your facility? Not really. There's, there's a couple people that do wads from time to time. Oh, uh, Kaplan. Oh, Ian. What? I said there's maybe three people. Ian, Cat, yeah. and Lauren. And that's their primary sport of training. I heard you have a rower. We do. And an we assault bike. And uh, one. And one. <laughs> one. And, and a uh, true form. A true form. Ooh. Did, did Matt have to blow the dust off it when he came over? <laughs> oh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think everyone was looking at him like, what's this guy doing over here? <laughs> Cardio. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's not our, our primary demographic, and I think we... We attract a different crowd, you know, people who are just more focused on learning the technique for Olympic weightlifting and getting stronger. Like that's the the people that we attract. And even online, uh, I think Cross uh, Hybrid Wad is our our least popular program. No, not we least. Have, not least. I think it's top five. Top five. Yeah, okay, but I mean, five? it it comes after power the powerlifting program, the uh, hybrid performance, bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. 101 and then maybe wad yeah so not our most popular not our least popular would you mind telling us a little more then about the gym like i'm super intrigued by that obviously you started as a subscription-based model a service where you're providing programs digitally what sparked the interest in wanting to open up your own facility and then how has that kind of morphed the direction of your business it goes it goes back to what hayden was saying about uh kind of portraying that we were bigger than we actually were at, mm. a, at a certain point in time. Um, so initially, I remember meeting with the Barbell Shrug guys, with Doug Larson, and I was just asking him what his opinion was on opening a gym when we had zero overhead costs, right? When we had already created the software, we had already inputted everything, we, were, we, we weren't spending much money on anything else, and then we wanted, yet we wanted to open a gym which was gonna cost us money per month, electricity, obviously, um, outfitting it, and all the associated costs. Mm. 
and his point of view was interesting was you know if you get say a storage unit you wouldn't get a storage unit for the value that you're for the money that you're going to get in return you're not going to get any money in return but it provides value in a different way it allows you to free space in a room for a podcast or it allows you to free whatever you know or to store things of value that you don't want to give up so we thought about the gym in the same way it's like it it, it wasn't going to be a primary source of income it was never intended to be that but it would provide value in a different way it was a place for us to um, have a comfortable place to shoot videos and educational content invite people maybe host seminars um, and and obviously uh, have a bigger have a bigger presence that is perceived as you know more serious mm-hmm. having a brick and mortar I think really s- yeah solidifies and, and differentiates yourself even further in the market yeah I and I think also there there is a small part of it that you know everybody if you come up in powerlifting or weightlifting or any sort of strength sport, you want to own your own gym one day. And we were in a position where we could sort of facilitate that and have members, you know, basically subsidize us having our own place to shoot and right. and use and look professional. So that was hybrid one. It was just a little space. People would come there and be amazed at how small it was compared <laughs> to how it looked <coughs> online. Online, it looked like this massive place. And not because we tried to make it look that no. way or anything, but just for whatever reason and it had really high ceilings and you know if you took a picture in a corner you couldn't tell relative to the rest of the spot how big it was but it was only like 2,000 square feet and uh, we did it we eventually outgrew that we were doing events like uh, we would do open gym on on Saturdays and some days we'd get like a hundred people coming to this really? to this you know 2,000 square foot so place cool. so it got a little bit nuts there um, and we ended up just uh, earlier this year moving to a place that's over double the size now. Okay. Do you do you it, does everybody kind of do their own thing? Do you have anything? Do you have like group classes or none of that? Any no. coaching? Yeah. Uh, well, like, now we have Fernando. Yeah. We uh, did right. for the longest time. We Fernando race. That's right. Yeah. We would just do uh, open gym, and then we'd organize Saturdays at one. were like team training. So if you wanted to come and train with the hybrid team, you could do that for free. Um. But we just recently brought Fernando Reeson, who's uh, you know multiple time Olympian, yeah. and he's running weightlifting classes there, uh, two in the morning, two at night. Two in the morning. Yeah. But what? Two uh, two, two a.m. Two p. Two in the morning, not two a.m. Right. Yeah, two. Oh, I I, I took two. it. I took it the way Steph did too. I'm like, whoa. No, two morning classes like, really? there. I two. never knew. <laughs> <he was laughs> like, please explain why a two a.m. class yeah. makes sense. He's a he's participated at Waterpolo, yeah. right? Yeah, he's yeah. competed oh, yeah. in a the weightlifting faceoff. No, he took second. Jared it was David versus One. Goliath. No, it was um Matt Rattay. Matt Mighty Mouse Rattay. Like he must weigh a buck fifty, and uh, obviously yeah. Fernando weighs I don't know, uh, hundred fifty kilo. No, no, he's not three hundred pounds. Huh? What does Fernando weigh? Three hundred pounds. Wow! Yeah. yeah. So then, those two had dead. We have a Canadian coming down who he, uh, Bodie asked me to coach him at Wadapalooza. Nice. Really? The, the young Bodie. Yeah, Bodie Sanave. Yes, he's, I've met him a couple times actually. He's awesome. He said he was doing the, the weightlifting, the face off. He must have already there, signed yeah. up. Yeah, I haven't checked there. Right? Yeah, but he'll he'll put up some crazy numbers. He's probably the best weightlifter to ever come out of Canada. He's a oh, strong really? kid. Yeah. That's always been an interesting event. I mean, uh, you know, we had Jared Fleming in this the past finals year. last year. Against Mighty Mouse, yeah. Yeah, lifting in jeans. We had Alyssa Ritchie one year, and that thing's continuing to grow. It's just a cool format. Yeah, yeah I like it. 
Have you I, done it? No, but I thought I, got, I tried to get you to yeah. one year. I was like, Steph, we really need you. Like, you won. It was a brand new concept. We're like, please, will you please compete? <laughs> and I think after that, I've messaged you or someone every year, being like, hey, can I get in? And then I start training, and then I'm like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> do you guys still Olympic lift? Very randomly, and not not that often. Sometimes we'll jump in with Fernando. Yeah. When when you know he's doing something, and we feel inspired to do it. But uh, yeah, not not that often. I mean, we could still do yeah. decent numbers. It just it'll take me like an hour to warm up to put a barbell over my head. Yeah. But after I do that, I'm I think okay. I'd, I'd it's like ride, riding a bike. Yeah. I, think I can relate to that. Huh? I can relate, relate to that. Yeah. I think at any point during the year, I could do at least eighty kilos, at least a one seventy six pound snatch, and at least a, wow a one hundred kilo clean and jerk. Yeah. <sighs> Dylan, can you do that? Yeah. I don't think so. Not anymore. <laughs> days are over but wow that's impressive Steph I've known Steph for a really long time too by the way I've known her since she was in undergrad and I mean I think it's a a funny story but I would love for you guys to share also like your come up and how you guys got to where you were personally uh, from an athletic perspective and I don't know if you want to start Steph just yeah sure Uh, where did I start I played soccer in Venezuela for the national team Um, and since then kind of sports have been part of my identity and something that was really important to me growing up and uh, when I moved to the States I, I moved with the intention of um, having a scholarship and continuing to play and hopefully play professional soccer obviously that's the dream of anyone who plays for a national team mm. um, but it was hard for me moving to to another country and having to learn a new language and, and take tests in English and also f- figure out cultural mm. norms and just way too many moving pieces I felt really overwhelmed and so I I decided to stop playing soccer and focus on my career and and building uh, having trying to figure out ways to have more friends and my dynamics with my family all those things when did you come to the United States I was 17 Okay. yeah so I stopped playing soccer and then I thought I wasn't gonna miss sports but obviously I started looking for the next thing almost immediately started running half marathons tried triathlons tried kickboxing I don't know a bunch of sports and then I met Noah at UM and uh, he had the Canes CrossFit club back then he's like oh Steph like you you're competitive Uh, you should definitely come and and try out this CrossFit thing it's like at the beginning of it and the it had like I said the competitive aspect of CrossFit was something that really appealed to me and I decided to go check it out, track CrossFit class, and I immediately fell in love with it. I, I started going every day with Allie Scotts, mm-hmm. a friend of mine from undergrad as well. Um, she's still doing it. She is? She, is. she lives yeah. in Cali? Yeah. yeah. She's still competing. Yep, yep, yep. And it's yeah. been, what, like eight years? She's gotten really good from, for, again, similar to you, you and uh, just yeah. kind of progressed quite a bit athletically. Yeah. She's, I think she's going to vie for a sanctional spot somewhere. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so from there, um, I had a very limited barbell experience, and I wasn't very strong. Most of my, my athletic background was in endurance sports and running, so I didn't, um, I was, wasn't very good with a barbell. And so I felt like in order for me to get better at CrossFit, I should get better at Olympic weightlifting and should get stronger. So I started taking Olympic weightlifting classes. And from there, I met a coach at another gym where I was taking these Olympic weightlifting uh, specific classes, and he basically got in my head telling me that I could I could go to the Olympics in weightlifting, that I was really good, that I had the right body proportions, that I was very fast, uh, and I also enjoyed it. So I kind of progressively stopped doing CrossFit first. I toned it down to, I don't know, maybe three or two times per week, and eventually I just stopped completely and started focusing in Olympic weightlifting. In kind of like the same 
a very similar situation happened between uh, from my transition from Olympic weightlifting to powerlifting. It was like I started getting <coughs> I th I thought I needed to get stronger for Olympic weightlifting. I said I'm going to take a break from weightlifting to get stronger and then eventually just faded Olympic weightlifting out unintentionally. Unintentionally. Found a new love. Yeah, and uh Were you were you strong growing up? I mean, was that something you identified with like you were, you know, if you pick something up or like no. if you ever touched a weight, you just knew I never it? touched a weight until I came into a CrossFit gym. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I didn't don't know. And now, but before we transition from that, Daniel, would you mind? I think you had a video pulled up, and we told them we were going to play this. <laughs> yeah, group. I think for our listeners and it's just viewers, to give you some context, context where she's come. Stuff and this is me doing CrossFit. Let's see if you can get it up. Our our technical director, Daniel Robbins. We may have to. We said don't this. f it up. All right, there we go. <laughs> Ad uh, for Mark Bell. Ah, uh, yeah. It's <laughs> It's a four-minute video. Oh, no. Maybe you look for the part where I lift oh, the weight. Oh, it's the animal cage. Where's that? Yeah, what is that? Is that at the Arnold? I've seen this a lot in videos of you. In the cage? Is yeah. that at the? I feel like I've seen that yeah, at the Arnold. This, this is insane. Where is this, that? This at is a uh, yeah, Columbus, Ohio. Oh, okay, Arnold. okay. Um, this. It's honestly, it's not a like a sanctioned meet or anything, but it might be one of the biggest attractions in powerlifting. Whoa. That's yeah, and I, I walked by that cage. I couldn't yeah. even get within 10 people of the cage. Yeah, is that the most you've ever deadlifted? No, there's like another that? one coming, no? That was 530. Yeah, this is the next one's the heaviest. So that's 545 pounds that we're showing now up on the screen. Wow. Jesus. I... <laughs> now, did you go there knowing that... Like, was that the goal, 545, or you no, just got inspired? And no, going into the cage, I was having a terrible, terrible prep. I was feeling really weak, achy, my back, and I had no idea what to expect for for, for the cage. And what was that, like a 15-kilo PR? Mishuge, whatever it was, but oh it was, uh, I don't know, the, the, the cage is just a, it's a crazy environment. Everyone's, yeah, there's nothing like it's, that. It's called the animal cage, and it literally feels like your animals in a cage when you're in there. Like people are outside just freaking out. It's like this like weird... Like, you have people, like, right in front of you screaming with cameras oh on God. and behind climbing you and up on the this cage. side climbing on. It's, like, really, really crazy I experience. go to the Arnold every year. I walked by it. I walked by this. You went this yeah. year. Yeah, that's... I gotta You should stop my, by this year. Was that this last year? That yeah, one? I've done it two years. No, that was the... The year before, so 2018. My stomach. I didn't. I've never seen that video. That was the first time I saw it. I just knew we had it pulled up, and my stomach is in my throat right now because that just gave me jitters. <laughs> yeah, 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 cool. that's really cool. Now, do you get in there too? Yeah, I, I didn't lift. I was just there, you know, supporting and helping out. But it, it's pretty funny. I always say, like, I'm, I'm I was jealous of her experience in a healthy way, you know. But <laughs> when I was a kid, I in high school, I used to watch the the animal cage and all that stuff, and I just thought it was like the coolest thing. I was like, oh, one day I want to be in that in the cage. I didn't know I'd be there helping my girlfriend out though. It's so cool. How would you explain like what uh, the people that lift in the cage? That's kind of like a. It's a showcase for like the strongest athletes in the world. Basically, is what Animal tries to put on every year. So, whatever you want, whatever they'll they'll invite a certain number of people, and those people will do whatever their best thing is usually. Or sometimes they'll get people to compete head to head if there's two guys that are like fighting for the best deadlift in the world or something. They'll do well, that. Was the guy who got rhabdo? What? Oh, so what they, one year they did uh, they did a competition so between silly. these two guys. 
So it was back and forth. Who could do? I think it was six hundred pounds. Who was it? Rob, Rob, Hall. Rob Hall and uh, Forsaken Warrior. S- yeah, Steve. Uh, uh, Forsaken Warrior yeah, is his Instagram. His Instagram That's handle. what we're gonna call him. And uh, it, yeah, so it was one guy had to do a deadlift with six hundred pounds, and then they gave thirty seconds for the next guy to do it. And um, guess how long they guess how long they went for. Six hundred pounds back and forth, thirty second rest in between. How long? Wait, one went? rep rest, tw- you know, twenty seconds. Next person goes. So just one every thirty seconds. Twenty minutes. An hour. What? No. Yeah, they did. I don't know how many reps that was, but anyways, the one guy, one guy got his hands just basically all the skin was like just the ripped entire off hand was hand. ripped off. Like he couldn't close his hand for a whole month. Oh, longer. I don't think he could or train more. properly for months. No. What? Every thirty seconds for an hour. A- 600 pounds 600 pounds went up and so you've done half of it and the yeah. guy got li- liver failure the other guy got yeah, rhabdo right rhabdo so you're saying just 60 total reps of deadlifts then because it's every 30 so I, I think it, it I think they did maybe like, like high 50 40 something. something yeah we'll look it up after but yeah it was crazy but they'll do things like that that are just insane yeah that's crazy could, now could you participate in that What you, you have a massive number on your deadlift I think maybe I could maybe this year I don't know I might do something with Steffi. There's a few uh, animals doing like a competition thing like Team Cohen versus Team uh, Green. Green Dan Green, and then uh, I don't know we might do a hybrid thing in there. So yeah, but I mean I'm not like the same same level that Steph would be for you know it's like our body weight to, to body to weight. To be in the cage, you have to earn it. Yeah. You know, earn it. Are you through. saying he hasn't earned See, it? This is great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, hey. No, I mean, they'll have guys in the cage, like, who are deadlifting 900 pounds, you know? Got it. No, you got to have a number that it's recognizable. What is is your top number? In deadlift? Yeah. Deadlift, uh, 665. You're such a crossfitter. I'm a better squatter. What's your top number? (laughs) (laughs) What's your friend time? What's your friend time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 665. What's your biggest Crazy. lift overall? Again, yeah, I'm definitely a crossfit. Uh, squat, 700 in Ooh, squat. Oh, damn. And what do, you, what do you squat, Steph? Uh, 510. That's wild to me. I do not squat 510. So my <laughs> question for you two, obviously, your lovers, business partners, is there any degree of, comp- I mean, I, I see it now. Is there any degree of competitiveness between the two of you, like healthy competitiveness? Oh, uh, healthy and unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> I think athletically, it's like the most unhealthy that it uh, that it is. So one time when we first got the true form, um, <laughs> I was like, "Damn, this is sick! We can we can see who can get the, the like the highest top speed, right?" So was it that day? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then that evolved to like a series of challenges. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm like, "Okay, let's see who can get the, the highest top speed." So Hayden goes, and he gets twenty four point eight. Correct? Is it kilometers I per hour remember. or something? How it is the true form measure? It might be. Cl- there's kilometer and miles per hour. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming you weren't running 28 miles per hour. So I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll say it's 28 yeah. kilometers okay. per hour. Okay. 24.8. And then I went and guess what I want? 24.0. That's pretty good. All right. I'm yeah. five feet tall. He's five <laughs> foot go. seven, and he's also a man. Five nine. So the equalizer. <laughs> so anyway, so I think I think. But the, why did we go to the next challenge? Uh, because we were, uh, you were you were saying that the true form was like a good representation of who's a better runner, and I'm like, there's no way I'll crush uh, you yeah. in an actual run. Like if we had to go a distance, it's not. So even then close. we did the actual run and guess who won? Me. And then he's like, No, no what? Did, when I fell <laughs> over, <laughs> he tripped. This fell. is awesome. That's not my fault. The truth comes so out. He fell over. Yeah, he fell. Yeah, so it was like a. 
it, we did it on the turf at the gym, so you had to run to the end of the turf. Grab and, and grab a, a cone and then come back with the cone. Back. And the first one, I tripped and I fell. Yeah. And, and, then, and then she was trying to you refuse to, to go right. against me again. She's like, no, that's it. I won. I'm like, well, come on. You don't want to win like that. How does that work? Are we actually have the footage, so would you roll it, please? No. I wish we did. That'd be really good. To <laughs> but, yeah. But, I if mean, you I, trip, the winner is the person. That, I mean, but I'd want to do it again, so of course. Is your, right. is your competitiveness uh, one of these one of these things that's comfortable for you two, but very uncomfortable for everybody that's around you? Like, no, you it's comfortable because we, we, we save the uncomfortable part for later. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, because so, you said healthy and unhealthy competition. Right. I want to hear about so that. So while we're in front of people, we're like, <laughs> you yeah. won. You're done. That was funny. When, you, when you were and refusing then, to verse me again, I was pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I when, felt. When, and then when we, get, when we got home that night, I'm like, you only won by 0.8 <laughs> and that's only because you're a guy all right don't let it you know don't let it get to Do your it head tomorrow. and he's like but i won and then, then it made a huge <laughs> we, we had like one of our worst fights no seriously way. i was like serious that I was mean, like a really guys, bad fight you guys are amazing at content like this is another like you guys need to start videoing stuff well like they that. started a podcast out. they started a podcast did these kind of things come up on the podcast or is it more yeah, professionally yeah. based no no yeah is yeah, it yeah. we have hosting? fun with it yeah honey let's give a little plug to the podcast you guys just started obviously we we're starting ours you guys are starting yours yeah it's called hybrid unlimited okay uh we chose the name because um steffi actually came up with the name because we didn't want to limit it to just fitness we also fight over who comes up with who, what that's yeah. why he gave the, he gave the credit because he knew yeah. that I, I just, if he said he came up with it, I got it. Um, yeah, so we just we didn't want to be limited to speaking about just fitness. So we do some some fitness, some science, some you know current events, a little bit of everything. We have a few segments that are you know that we just do for fun, like the a Florida Man segment. You know, there's always something going on with uh, some crazy Florida guy story, so we do a part about that. Uh, fitness gossip. All that stuff, Fitness. and then we mix it in with obviously with science. Mm-hmm. Science is your topics. specialty. Yeah, but um, our last Florida man story was like this happened this week: a guy microwaved a microwave, what, and really? died. And it exploded and it di- and he died. He was facetiming his friends. His friends challenged him <laughs> to microwave a microwave. First of all, why do you have two microwaves? Why do you have a small microwave and a big microwave? Why that That's my first question. Microwave. I can't even. Like picture this right now. How do you yeah. fit a microwave yeah. in a microwave? It has to be a small microwave and a big microwave. Our camera, guy, we thought the same thing, but our camera guy actually has a small microwave. He said, "How <laughs> would the small microwave have power? Was it powered? No. Oh, okay. I think the small microwave was off and the big microwave was on. <laughs> this is a perfect topic of conversation to put in a podcast. I'm, this is great content. That's what I mean, and now I need to see the video. Content. Oh, there's not a video. Is there? No, no content of the, of the race. <laughs> Actually, and I know I, I don't want to piggyback go back to this, but I, I am intrigued by, again, the dynamic between the two of you. Obviously, there's wear multiple hats, but from a business perspective, what role do each of you play within hybrid? So like you were mentioning the numbers, who's most in tune to the numbers of uh, subscribers based on program? Um, yeah, I'm just curious about, about that. Who like What role do you guys each play within the business? You want to go first or me? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, okay, so we basically have it's like a triangle scheme, all right? So there's three. Well, be careful. It sounds so like it's a pyramid, pyramid scheme. scheme. It's a pyramid triangle. Scheme. I said triangle. <laughs> it's in shape of a pyramid, <laughs> but it's not. And it, this is not referring to our marketing strategy. This is referring <laughs> to our dynamics. Okay. Hybrid Don't performance get it method is not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> no. Okay, so there's there's three sides, right? 
If it is, I want to get in. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start at the bottom. Yes. That's the problem. I'm okay. You have five friends? Yes. I'm good. <laughs> Let's go. We were just watching a video. About it. Anyway, okay, so there's three sides to the triangle, right? So the, the first one, or it doesn't matter what, if it's first, second, or third, but one is swagger, all right? And that is me. Okay? I'm mm -hmm. the creative part. I'm like, you know, the one that's in the forefront of it. I'm making the videos. I'm making the connections, that kind of stuff. The face. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you keep up with what the kids like. To keep yes. us relevant. Then we have brute force, which is Hayden. He makes sure that all of my crazy ideas actually get implemented. Because I'll literally wake up in the middle of the night at like 2 a.m. and be like, hey, you know what's a great idea? This is such a common <laughs> occurrence that we have every time she does something like that, I'll be like, well... Am I just starting my day now? Like <laughs> 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently you have classes at 2 a.m., so you might as well get the <laughs> yeah. day going. Exactly. And it's also like the randomest times, too. Yeah. Like the most inopportune times. Yeah. So I come up with ideas. Hayden makes sure. Hayden filters the ideas. So he's like, yeah, that's a terrible idea. Or, hey, that's actually a really good idea. Let's do it. And make sure that it gets implemented. Um, and then we have a, a third piece, which it's a new addition to the team. His name's Ian Kaplan, and he's governance. So he's like very... Uh, systems and very smart and book smart and just makes sure that we're on top of the research make sure that he follows the literature and the business side too to make sure we're doing everything that we have to do to keep continuing growing the business but i feel like it's been very organic between hayden and i to we've kind of like each each of us has assumed their role within the yeah the we just sort of naturally we, fell into yeah the we don't really roles. step on each other's shoes like he has an econo international economic and finance degree and he uses it to make sure that all the, the back-end stuff is uh, running well, running smoothly. And I don't do any of that. And I just focus on creating, creating content, making connections, being the forefront. Very cool. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have your clear swimming lanes and that it works very well. And definitely exhibited by the growth you guys have experienced over how, how many years has it been now? Coming up on, coming up on the fourth Fourth year, from 400 at the onset to 10,000. I still can't get over that number. That's so impressive. That is really impressive. <clears throat> what are your biggest challenges with your business? I, th I think, well, from my perspective, I think focusing on like just a few select things. There's so many things that we want to do, and we've been able to branch out into a number of different sort of areas of the industry, but there's always a new idea. And especially because, you know, part of my job is filtering ideas from Steffi and Steffi, you said some of them are terrible, but the vast majority of them are good ideas that are all like, they're all viable. It's just like how many, how much time and energy and resources can we direct to something at one time? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's easy to get distracted and to lose, you know, sight of the things that are really driving the business. So I think for me, at least that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Um, I have two. The one first is um, employees. I think when we first started hybrid, we never anticipated that I would grow to this. It would grow to the size that it is now, and so we didn't really have a lot of systems in place. Um, and we're paying for that now. Where like there's there's a lot of miscommunication, or there used to be a lot of miscommunication between us and our employees as far as like what the expectations for the job were and payment structure that maybe weren't the, weren't the best. Uh, and so I would just say like from the beginning, it would be good to like have everything super clear and make sure there's there's written contracts for everything. Everyone knows exactly what they're doing. And there's, and you already have like a vision of what kind of like structure you want within the organization. 
because that's not something that we had until until recently and and it created some like internal issues um and then the second one for me i would say it's the uh software portion yes yeah, i think it's software is something that's so challenging because no one is ever going to be 100 percent satisfied yeah. you know it's like <clears throat> you look at you can name any software company that's crushing it people are not going to be happy with the way google does x y or z or you know the way shopify does whatever so uh you know that's always an uphill battle so we're, we're constantly trying to improve the software and improve the user experience but i i think that no matter how much time energy and money we dump into that it'll always be something that yeah. Are you are you on your own unique platform, or are you using a platform that is you know you guys obviously tailored proprietary, you know, but it's proprietary to somebody else? No, no, no. We created our own. That software. was that was a decision we made really early on. Uh, where you know at the time I think Train Heroic was probably the biggest yeah. platform for that, mm-hmm. and they wanted something like thirty percent of uh, revenue. So we were just like, why don't we make the investment in the beginning? and uh, not have to cut them a check for 30% for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's pros and cons to that. I mean, the pro is that, you know, we get a very customized professional platform that we can, you know, do whatever we want to basically. And the con is that now it's our responsibility to upkeep that platform right. and continue Every problem is your so problem. The cost right? associated, yeah. So, yes. yeah. Uh, yeah, And there's huge costs associated, by the way, with oh, owning your know. own software. Oh, development, yeah. for sure. It's actually insane. Because yeah. you, you think, or what I used to think is like, all right, yeah, you make the software and then it's done. Mm. But literally every month you have to do something to it. Something goes wrong. And we need to contact the software developers because someone's having an issue logging in or inputting their training or whatever it is. So or, or we just have added, we started with maybe five stuff, features yeah. and now it's got hundreds, you yeah. know, and every month it's like, hey, it'd be cool the if software. the software had this or it had that. And we're always yeah. updating. Tweaking. And, uh, and, the, uh, and, and another thing is, Another challenge, I think, is evolving with the space. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, what takes you from zero customers to 400 is not the same that's going to take you from four to 2,000 or from two to 10,000, right? Yeah. So it's just like finding a way to continuously evolve and make sure you're keeping up with what people want and what people need, and you give them that. Well, what do you think that is? I, I, I mean, you know, you guys, you guys are... I'm super impressed, right? You know, where you're at and, you know, um, you've obviously continued to evolve, but what do you see as next? I mean, is it, um, you know, do you focus on the training side with the evolution? Like, is that what your foundation is and your platform is? Is it the science, the education? Like, where, where, where is it are the you merchandise? Yeah, you like guys what, are what is it for you? I think uh, our... Our base product is always going to be the the training. Mm-hmm. You know, it's where we started. It's where what people know us best for. Um, but we've been, I mean, we've been lucky to grow other parts of the business to you know sort of similar degrees. I mean, apparel for us recently has been really a big one, um, and that was something we had no idea was even a possibility. We just sort of, yeah, you know, half asked it for years when members would be like, can "We can we get some shirts? We'd make some shirts." And then when we started, it was actually Alex uh, who came to us and was like, this could be a, a real business if we actually treat it that way. So we started doing that. And now that business is, you know, that's taken off. Yeah, I don't know. I think like my goals at least are one education mm-hmm. just because it's what I enjoy doing the most. So I just finished writing a book um, and I'm planning on as soon as it's out, obviously, like lecturing and doing seminars. And what is the book called? 
so it used to be called Back Under the Bar, but we just found out that there's another book called Under the Bar. So I think we're going to change it. So we don't have a name just yet. We have to figure out. But it's about it's about low back pain, addressing common myths, explaining people about uh, the pain experience, what it actually means in terms of their back health, um, and then giving them uh, clear strategies and a clear plan of how to get back to their previous level of function. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. So author, that's a whole separate. That's are you doing that individually? Is that going to be a hybrid? book no, that's Stephanie and Ian yeah me and Ian okay but anyway yeah so one of my things is education lecturing all that stuff and I think that because of just the way that the internet has evolved I think people are hungrier than ever for knowledge and I think there's a really interesting market there um, also I think kids growing up they really value the information that they can get online and we're starting to see and there's articles that have come up about that about how different uh, people's perception of formal education uh, is nowadays versus in the past. So for example, my parents and my grandparents, they really value higher level education. Like you have to go to college and then you have to go to grad school, otherwise you're nobody. Like even when I started dating Hayden, he's like, but he doesn't even have a master's degree. I'm like, he's doing well, like don't worry about him, you know? But um, (coughs) younger people, younger generations now are they don't even sometimes they don't even think about going to to uh, college because they can get all of that education without the added uh, financial burden and so yeah so getting staying in academia teaching seminars webinars all that stuff is something that I think has a lot of potential writing hybrid textbooks for strength training obviously that's something that we're we're getting into Um, but then also keeping the focus on training because that's where we believe most of our market is. I think a lot of companies lose sight, tend to lose sight of, they overexpand and they expand too quickly and they lose sight of what makes them the most money. Take uh, Victoria's Secret, for example. They just recently went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Um, They were doing amazing. They're pretty much, they were pretty much monopolizing the bra and underwear business until they decided to expand into making kids wear, right? And yeah. then it just totally backfired, and they they it didn't work out. They invested so much money, they kept pushing money into it, trying to grow it, grow it, grow it, and then it eventually just didn't work out, and they went bankrupt. So, not losing sight of where we're making the most money, and continue to building on that and and improving it. So, if the goal, for example, if the goal is to make strength training accessible and affordable to most people that's kind of like that's our mission that's mm-hmm. what we're going to focus on so with that comes not only offering training online but it, but expanding into it so maybe opening hybrid facilities all around the US to make it to make it affordable and accessible for people facilities that are 24 hours facilities that have trainers on the floor that can help you they can guide you they can educate you um Potentially making my other idea was making a kind of like Peloton style hybrid box that gets delivered to your door and you get the training. You know, it's That's just cool. about fulfilling that mission and keeping uh, keeping the the what makes you the most money in sight at all times Got and it. expanding core it. core business. Yeah, yeah, you know, you it's funny you bring up the Victoria's Secret thing. Yeah, you have to respect the fact that they're trying to evolve, right? Like it's a fine line from a business perspective we deal with it right it's like Mm. what's next and if you're not evolving you're dying you know essentially Mm -hmm. long term right uh but yeah staying focused that's the hard part Mm -hmm. it's you know um 
Yeah, well, what, I'm interested in the kids thing. It's funny, we could have like a whole probably two-hour conversation on academia. We you just are, talked about it yesterday, yeah. We were just talking about higher education. Yeah, it's like, you know, and I have kids and, you know, I guess, you know, and I'm like highly educated, I guess, you, you know, and, uh, you know, I look back at my, we were talking about this last night and it's like I went, you know, I went to a really good school and I, you know, I grew up, I think. I didn't get educated, I guess, in my mind. That's my opinion, right? Like, I got, it was a platform for me to, to mature. Mm-hmm. And everything I am applying today is really stuff I acquired post my, you know, formal education. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in academia? I mean, you're, you're super educated. Higher you're super, education. You know, do, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you believe that's, because I look at my kids and like, you know, it's funny, my wife and I go back and forth on this and I'm kind of loose with it. I'm like, I want them to learn life, you know, the school thing. Yeah, it's important. I get it. It's discipline. It's, it, you know, there's an evolution there. But for me, I know what I derive all my, you know, skills and knowledge from at this point. And it really, I mean, it's not my sociology class at Boston College. It's, you know, my time, you know, changing oil at my father's car dealership, the, you know, the hard knocks type of stuff. You know, where, where do you guys sit on that? Yeah, so obviously there is a lot of issues with formal institutions, um, but I think it's a matter of managing expectations, right? Like, why why do you think you're going to undergrad? Because a lot of people have that same complaint. Oh, they're making me taking all of this general, general classes, general topics, and I'm never going to apply any of it. Like, why am I even sitting in this sociology or religion course? Like, that's not part of the exercise, uh, exercise physiology curriculum yep. or the pre-med curriculum like why are we doing this but I think that and just looking back at the time when I was 17 or 18 you're not mature you don't know what you want you're so susceptible to not susceptible but uh, suggestible to what's around you that I think at that time in your life you need some structure Mm -hmm. you need structure you need to have a schedule you need to be told what to do you need to have uh, mentors and advisors to kind of like keep you in track um, and give you it give, give some structure to your life in a in a point of uncertainty. So while the knowledge that you get from college might not be directly correlated with what you're gonna do in the future, it it's it's a, it's again the same storage analogy, right? Like it's it's still providing some form of value and providing a a platform for growth indirectly. So. If you're there, I, I know a lot of people or kids who at 20 are extremely mature mm-hmm. and, and just know how to get around life, you know? Mm-hmm. I also know a lot of kids that at 20 know nothing and are a complete piece of shit, you know, <laughs> that, that they need, like... Right. I was there. Sure. No, I get it. Yeah. So for me, like, I really needed that structure. So <clears throat> again, it depends. Like, do you need it or do you not need it? And then, then there's the other point. Some professions require you to have an undergraduate degree and Correct. require you to have a graduate degree and require you to pass a licensure exam, like physical therapy, for example. You could never be a PT if you don't do undergrad, grad school, and licensure exam. So depends what you want it for. And that's not to say you can't get any of that information online because you can. You can buy a book. You can go to seminars. You can, take, you can watch YouTube videos. Pretty much all the information is out there. In fact, most of the professors in undergrad and grad school post their lectures online. Mm. Right. So it depends. What are you going to school for? What are you hoping to get out of it? And just making sure that those expectations align with what you're actually going to get. But it has pros and cons. You're you're an employer, though, right? Like, is that important to you? 
when you hire somebody like I know that it's funny you say that like I look at a resume I very rarely even pay attention to the, the educational side of it experiences obviously you need like if I was hiring a physical therapist I would want to know that right mm-hmm. if I'm hiring a you know a VP of operations I mean I really need to see what they've done the last 10 years right like how do you guys look at that is education important to you when you hire I think in, in in certain ways, yeah, but uh, my take is a little different than Steph's in, in that I just think uh, school teaches you sort of the hustle, you know, how to deal with stress, how to deal with time management, yep. how to do all the things that you want to do in life and still succeed at this, this uh, you know, this other thing that's always sort of <clears throat> like the underlying thing that's going on in your life, you know, for I think for most people. It also teaches you how to learn and how to think. Yeah, I mean, and on your own terms, yeah. you know, especially like you said, most professors, they're putting their stuff online. So for me, I, I almost never went to class, you know, I, I, I had the same conversation, man, yeah. you know, so it was, it was me figuring out how to do things in a way that worked for me and under, you know, meet, meeting deadlines, a ton of pressure, but also in, in, in a situation where you can kind of take risks. And if you fail a test or you make a mistake, your life isn't over. You know, it's not something that's going to really, really set you back. So I think there's value in that. And when I see somebody who has a university uh, education and we're looking to hire, I know that they've they've been able to do that and survive. And I think there is value in that. Um, but I, it's definitely not the end all be all. There's and definitely we have great great employees that don't uh, that don't have <coughs> university education. Some of our best hustlers, you know, like Caesar. Yeah. But uh, no, Caesar went to college. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, anyway. what we do have, we have other ones. Sorry, Caesar. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, I, I think it, you know, it's not the end all be all, but it, it definitely gives a little bit of confidence. Yeah. And, and finally, I think another reason why you want to go to college or grad school or not is social standard. Yeah. Which, I don't know, maybe it's because my parents drilled it into me just so hard. For me, it is really important. I'm, I'm even planning on going back to school, maybe getting an MBA from like an oh, wow. Ivy League school or something like that. But... No other reason other than because I think that, like, sus- based on society, it, like, puts you in perception. a... Perception. Perce- yep. Perceptually, it puts you in a different... <clears throat> say that, that you went to Harvard or you went to MIT, you got an MBA, yep. have an MBA from Kellogg's or, you know. I remember very... I'll be honest. I remember very little from undergrad me. Yeah, we, we both had a, the same degree. I had a dual major in sports administration and exercise physiology, and by no means was it in was it uh, not valuable because I'm here now working for a sports agency. Um, so the SPAD side certainly counts, but I remember no information. But I will say the word that stuck out to me about what our discussion yesterday, Matt, was maturitization. And I do feel like the extracurricular components, and I'm not talking about partying, actually it was the lack <laughs> thereof that I think drove most of my personal maturity. So that's why when I see that, um, and, and I actually look at things that they were involved in during school and I dig on that side of things especially people that are fresh out of college I think it tells me a lot about a person is how they spent their four years mm-hmm. or I think Matt's was a little bit his four years were a little bit different yeah. I did not grow up <laughs> until after well, what do you uh, <clears throat> so the, the training side kids right do you think that powerlifting is, is a is a a good um, you know, wholesome platform for kids? Like, do you think that that's something kids should train? That's how they should train that transfers to other sport? Like, where do you sit on that? Because, I mean, CrossFit, we live in, you know, there's a lot of dialogue around that in CrossFit. Like, that, you know, do, should kids train it? Should they play other sports? Like, where, where do you guys sit on that with what you guys, you know, what your focus is? I know you do all of that uh, with from a program perspective, but you guys, 
pretty specifically powerlift, right? Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say powerlifting per se because powerlifting, in order for you to be a powerlifter, you have to compete and your kind of like your focus is based on just squat, bench, and deadlift. But I do think that anyone and everyone would benefit from having kind of like a strength backbone to their program mm -hmm. and uh, periodize it or have it in seasons into their training. Anyone can benefit from that, including kids. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of evidence to say that early specialization of any kind is, is not, yeah, not great for young kids. So like you said, I think it being part of what you do, just strength training in general is, is a good idea, but I wouldn't say, you know, take a five-year-old and get them competing in powerlifting yeah. and don't let them play other sports or anything like that. Yeah. yeah, we're dealing like, you know, it's funny that the, the next generation of CrossFitters is essentially upon us. We, we try to answer those questions, you know, publicly a lot, like, you know, who's next? The problem I, th I think I see with our sport is a lot of people, a lot of that next crop has only done that since 16. I personally believe that next, you know, Matt Fraser, Tia Toomey uh, are probably in college playing soccer or football right now, right? Mm -hmm. That's my opinion because I think that that's, well, I mean, that's how I was brought up. I played three sports, four sports at a time all the time, and I think that's the transference for me in, in our sport. But, yeah, it's interesting to see specifically to CrossFit, yeah. you know, what does that look like next? But we have a huge crop of kids that stopped, you know, they – the boom, I would say, was, you know, we were such a obtainable sport for a long time because it was so new, and guys like Matt walked in, and, you know, he was second at the games in his second year doing CrossFit, and they're like, shit, I want to do that, you know, and I can do that, and I, I think I can I can almost touch and Very feel attainable. the games. It was obtainable. Very attainable for the average Joe, too. That's what you said was attractive to you when you started. Yeah, it's like it's not anymore, but there were a lot of kids that look at that, and, like, there's – all these 16 year olds that are now 22 23 and they're like getting hip replacements that's the crazy like, it's like crazy me, yeah. what's going on because they well they don't move well they weren't you know it's all what you were saying before too but yeah i don't know i don't know where i'm going with that but it was just super <laughs> i don't know if it's prolific but it's certainly been highlighted more so because there's some high level children children teens that are coming up in the sport that have not been able to reach that prime of their career because of injuries that have offset them um, in the CrossFit space specifically. So, yeah, I'm wondering that I think his question was more in line with, is there something they can do to hopefully prevent that from happening early on as they're looking to progress to a high level in their career professionally with CrossFit? I, I don't think that's unique to CrossFit. I mean... Starting too young? Well, not, not anyone. That is, I think it comes down again to just good coaching. You know, CrossFit gym to CrossFit gym, there's variation in the level of coaching and the way people program and load athletes and all that stuff, and that plays a huge role. Just the same way, you know, you can have a football coach that has you running plays where you're getting crushed every route, you know, and those right, kids are going right, to be right. at a high, you know, high True. chance of in injury. So Think about the uh, barrier of entry to be a level one CrossFit coach. Yeah. It's like pretty much none, right? Like you just go and take the course and then you're a level one course. And you have to take coach. A, te a multiple choice test a and you test. have to hit a, a five of the questions, 50 questions, five of them are not applicable. They don't count. And then I think you have to re get a, an, an 85% or something like that. Yeah. So you can open so up a facility. Because it's it goes beyond movement proficiency, right? And what Hayden was mentioning about load management and, and periodization, organizing your training within the entire year. Like, are these kids doing CrossFit the 365 days per year? Probably. Mm -hmm. You know, probably they're overdoing it. So I think, yeah, again, it comes down to, to coaching and organization of the training. I think that it is if the 
the the person's goal is to go to the CrossFit Games and they get into CrossFit at 16. I don't think there's anything wrong with starting to train CrossFit, but not at the expense of doing of not doing other other sports. I think it should be just kind of like an adjunct adjunct or supplement to their their other sport. Got it. Yeah, I agree with that. How speaking about that with you, what's it like? You know, what's your training cycles like? Do you take time off? You know, you always active. Yeah. Uh, Crossfitters are terrible at that. You know, Um, they're very. 12 month ish you know well, that's crazy to me yeah seasons is something that i preach all i preach about all the time um everyone has seasons on and off seasons every professional athlete has a period of time where they either don't train at all or train very little or do something else even people at the highest level i always uh tell a story about Ilya illin he's one of the most famous olympic weightlifters and one of the most accomplished ones as well He's known for taking like nine months off at a time. Yeah. Literally just like getting fat and soft and just doing CrossFit (laughs) or like doing whatever, running. He doesn't care, you know. He wouldn't compete for years at a time. That too. And that's how you achieve longevity in a sport that's so demanding. So I I got my fair share. I got burnt, uh, burnt out after... I think it was year two of powerlifting. I was having lots of just like nagging injuries. My back was bugging me, my hip was bugging me, my knee was bugging me, and it was, it was just because of that, right? I would go into a competition, I would peak, I would compete, and then I would come back, and I think like on Monday I would be back, back in the grind. Wow. And so, yeah, you just right. you kind of like learn through experience, or you can just avoid that and listen to other people who are in positions of power to to guide you. Uh, it's just not a good idea to train so intensely for the entire year so my approach now is i train for a competition maybe four to six months four or five months out and then after the competition i chill take some time off as much as i need to feel one motivated to come back into the bar and two so that all my injuries are but i think it's a important another thing that you always say is that when people ask you what your training is like it's the wrong question to ask for them to get any sort of input because right. what her training is like now is nothing like what her training was like when she started powerlifting. And the same for me. And powerlifting becomes this interesting game where the better you get at it, the more it becomes a game of how little you can do and still continue to make progress. Yeah. Because you're doing something so specific. It's three movements, squat, bench, deadlift. You're loading them very heavy. And as those loads get heavier and heavier, it takes you longer and longer to recover. We're all made of the same bones, tendons, and ligaments and tissues. You know, I'm made of the same and he's mm-hmm. made of the same. The difference is you're handling way more load than I am, right? So yeah, maybe even in you that instant, I'll take a longer time to recover, exactly. even though Steffi is a stronger female athlete than so, I am a male athlete. So when I first started training in, in Olympic weightlifting, I used to squat nine times per week. So I had like two squat sessions a day, essentially six days a week. Um, and I was able to recover fine from that. And I was able to perform and do my snatch clean and jerk, but that's because in absolute terms, I wasn't lifting up to my top potential or like my top ceiling, right? I was, well, I was my squat back then, I don't know, maybe 100, and, 100 kilos, 110 kilos, and now I'm lifting 235 kilos of squat, you know? So there's no way I could lift, I could squat nine times per week, lifting anywhere close to 230. So you just kind of like adapt and evolve with training. Why, why did you bring that up? Uh, well, they were just asking what our tra- training is. Oh, uh, what training is like, protocol yeah. Possible. yeah. I mean, it, <coughs> there's certainly a fine line on what, I mean, it's easy for me or Dylan 
you know, I'll put you in my category. Sorry, buddy. Mm-hmm. To take, I mean, I'm not, what I'm trying to be is fit for life, right? Like I'm trying to maintain, you know, a certain level of fitness to feel good about myself and, you know, be good at my job, be a good dad, a good husband, right? But when you're elite, there's a fine line on that, right? Like your numbers matter because you're trying to be the best in the world at something you're doing, right? So, you know, that time off, it, it, what's the mentality? Like, how do you, you know, I ask this of people we work with on the CrossFit side. Um, I think Matt's probably the best at it. He, you guys know Matt well, you guys are friends. Like he takes months off and it's like, people can't even wrap themselves around that. And he's found that secret sauce out for him, right? But like, you know, it's, when do you start to worry? Like, am I gonna be able to deadlift 545 again? You know, it, it, have you just learned over time that that's, that time off is the way that you do deadlift that consistently and more exactly yeah um you do need a certain level of reassurance and that's where hayden comes in obviously i i'm not gonna say that it's that it's easy to take time off and and have full trust and confidence in yourself that you'll or you're the program that you're following that you will be able to get back because at the end of the day there's no guarantees um but it's there's no other way to do it once you're at the elite level. Like you can't just keep hitting your your head against the wall and trying to 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 train 365 days per year because just your body doesn't allow you to. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Like not even if you want to. Not even if your willpower and and your determination, consistency is like the the best of everyone. And trust how how bad do I want to train 365 days per year? Like yeah. I would be in the gym every single day, you know. But my body doesn't let me. So. Uh, Sometimes it takes some reassurance, you know, externally. Hayden is, is great at that, just telling me to trust the process. You know, you don't need to be strong 365 days per year. You need to be strong when it matters, and that's during competition day. And all pieces fall into place for that day. You know, it's a very specific kind of, like, cycle that you have to go through. And um, it's okay for strength to, to have it ebbs and flows and to come and go as long as you do what you always do, and that's just train hard few months out of the meet what do you, is there something annually you're like and i'm sorry for not maybe understanding this as well about your sport but is there a touch point every year that's you know is it that is it the arnold is it a national meet is it a world meet what, what is it that you focus on um for me it's the cage yeah. also because i'm sponsored by animal and so i'm required to be there and put up a show uh and then there's and do you put up like the show yeah like when, when steffi's lifting the cage it's pretty cool even animal said last year like we've never seen it this crazy that's yeah. awesome people go nuts when you go it's like cage. six lines of people that's outside cool. of the people cage. on other people's shoulders people that and that it might not be anything for you guys crossfit because it has crossfit has so much exposure but for powerlifting it's crazy you now powerlifting doesn't is a, compare is a small sport um but yeah it's cool so yeah we have the arnold the cage uh and then there used to be another meet that had a pretty big cash price again for powerlifters that was called the U.S. Open, but I don't think that meat is, it's not growing and it, it'll probably go away. So that's where our contribution comes in. So we're trying to put yeah, up right. the center meat kind of like for everyone to come and go and, and, and put up a show and it'd be like the event that people prep for. And when, when is that? Um, so tentatively, hopefully, it's June 28th. Um, we ran into some issues choosing our uh, event management company, so now we, we're switching to someone else. Thanks to Matt <laughs> for connecting me. Uh, so if everything goes smoothly, June twenty eighth. Yeah. Very cool. And and 
tell us a little bit is there a name for it where pe people can find can spectators come is it going to be broadcast what tell us yeah, a little bit I'm, about I'm, it i'm so pumped about it uh so it's called the kratos uh kratos in video games was adapted to be the god of, of war but in greek mythology kratos is the god of strength and i wanted to be all kind of like greek mythology inspired to kind of pay homage to how strength sports ha uh, started and make it also an educational experience for spectators to learn about fringe and small strength sports like powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting and eventually strongmen. Um, and so we're going to have 570 competitors, three stages, two platforms per stage, um, about, 100, about 100 vendors and 45,000 square feet of venue space. Um, and the goal is just to make it fun First of all, make it comfortable for athletes to participate in. So for them for them to have only to worry about coming and lifting. You know, that's it. You have your athlete VIP area where you leave your stuff. You have a massage area, sauna area. You don't have to worry about food or anything like that. The warm-up area is fully staffed so that people can load your bars and plates for you. Plate There's minions. Huh? Plate, Plate minions. minions. Yeah, there's enough space. <laughs> you know, you don't have people on top of each other. The stage is professional. It's sturdy. It has a six screen in the back. There's replays. You know, the whole thing. And that, that's something that a lot of the big competitions in CrossFit have done a great job at. Is yeah, making, you guys are crushing uh, it. The, the athletes feel like professional athletes. And the spectators feel like they're at a... A real event, sporting event. Like a yeah. sick... So... That's something that, and, and it goes back to like the, the short-sightedness of people who put up these events. Like I'm gonna eat, like this is gonna cost me a lot of money, right? Yep. But I'm willing to put this, the money up because I believe in what we're offering and I think that it not only would benefit athletes, spectators and, and vendors, but obviously us in the long and run the, and, the, and sport. the sport and the sport as a whole. Yeah, because so. I, think, I think that's what made it, like something that I always thought was super cool about CrossFit was that level of professionalism. Yeah. You go to the games, people are treated like rock stars. The fans treat them that way. They're, and it's like, it's an expectation at this point at, at those high level meets. We want to bring that to powerlifting and weightlifting where, you know, it's not just, oh, uh, there's, uh, you know, in my dusty gym, we're going to throw this meet and, you know, <coughs> you're all going to be on top of each other in the warm up room and, and all the stuff that you, you get frustrated with at local meets. We sort of want to just eliminate that. Now, will you guys participate? I don't know. I feel like I can't. That might be a game time I'm decision. I'm already stressed out thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> I would want to participate. If, if if I feel like I have enough control, then yeah. And if I'm ready, I'll do it. Yeah, we'll have to see. I don't know yet. But uh, I might sit it out and just make sure everything's going the way we want it to go. So you mentioned producing merch. Obviously, your program itself, your own training you know, and also you mentioned wanting to be strong 365 days a year. What what of what you guys are currently doing in business personally do you guys enjoy the most? Like, do you guys enjoy training? Like, is, is that a, like, do you actually enjoy the process of training or do you enjoy the process of standing in the cage and is, are the other 364 days a year terrible? Like, I, I want to understand more about what you enjoy about what you guys do. Um, it, the, the waves of liking and not liking the sport kind of. That's what I was going to say. Come and go. <laughs> Powerlifting is a very repetitive sport, unlike CrossFit, where mm -hmm. you have so many different skills and movements and things and people you can train with. Mm -hmm. uh, so powerlifting is not like that. Like you're squat benching and deadlift. All day. All and if you day. Have, if you have an injury, you, you have, your shoulder hurts and you have bench, you're still doing bench. Well, 
Exactly. <laughs> there's no. Yeah, there's no. There's no, no movement it. you can substitute oh, right, from, right? right like, right, right. yeah, right. sure, you can do dumbbell press, but you know, you're not really gonna get better at. Gotcha. Your bench, Accessory you know? doesn't. Yeah. Gotcha. It doesn't. Especially that the 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 higher the level that you get, then the more specific you need to get. So, I think sometimes there's there's training cycles or training blocks where I'm super motivated. I'm seeing progress every week. My body's feeling good, and then there's some others where like I just can't. I, I, f- I feel like I can't get better. Does it feel like a job though when you're in the gym or do you feel like you're having fun doing it? Like one of the most important things that you know Matt mentioned, training for healthy life, generally speaking. For me, it's also about going in and having fun. Like I enjoy that competitiveness of CrossFit still on a daily basis I, and mixing it up. Do you still enjoy going like 90, into the gym and training? I feel like 90% of the time I don't enjoy it. Oh, really? I think for me it's... Like she said, there's ebbs and flows to it. So when it's going really well and I'm seeing a lot of progress and I'm going into a meet and I'm feeling confident mm-hmm. about the meet, that's great. I'm loving it. I'm excited to go into the but gym that really all the time. Happens, really. But but when, <laughs> really it's, when it's not going well and it's a grind, I think uh, the obligation of kind of walking the walk is what keeps me going into the gym, which I'm actually grateful for. But uh, it's there's definitely ebbs and flows to everything. I think yeah. that when you're at such a high level like Steffi is, it it is a, a whole other thing, you know. Like, so you oh, can speak yeah. to that, but um, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's not fun for me most of the time. But that's totally cool. The hunted, right? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you really, talk about it a lot. Some of our athletes all the time. Represent. Like, there's another level of stress and work involved in maintaining the life on top, right? It's, and people can't relate to it. Well, nobody can relate to it because there's only generally one person that sits and experiences that, right? My my weightlifting coach always used to say, getting to the top is easy, staying at the top is hard. Yeah. And I never understood it until I was at the top. And well, then I'm like, oh, shit. Think about <laughs> it, too. Like, when you, I, I say this all the time, like, you know, I, I'm a huge uh, advocate for uh, athlete, athletes, athletes in general. But, like, you, you uh what does a champion go through in the course of a championship compared to the people that are hunting the champion? You know, whether it's media responsibilities or it's, you know, the fanfare, there's a lot more that goes with that, right? And now that's another level of thing, you know, group of things that you have to overcome to continue to be the best. I, I just, I think there's a lot of depth to that that I respect the hell out of. I think it's incredible. For sure. And dealing with fans and expectations from people mm. too. Yeah, yeah, you're the de- she's the you're the highest visibility person in, in powerlifting, you know. We so. have it up right there, guys. As a matter of fact, so one of the yeah. let people know how we can reach. Play, play that play that video that last one. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that's a humanizing video. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, I saw this. This is our I did not. athlete right here. Well, <laughs> well, you can't. Well, Steffi, you can't be great at everything. <laughs> oh, did you really fall over, like legitimately? Yeah, dude. Enough. I see it again. Please replay it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> knocked her over. How heavy was that ball? Did you just swing and miss? Yeah, she did. Oh, my God. Honestly, that's the first sport that... It's going to sound arrogant, but honestly, that's the first sport that I just... Terrible at. Scroll down. Like, just absolutely terrible. It is a sport, okay, Hayden? Someone wins and someone loses. (laughs) Yeah, where's your bar muscle video? I want to see. So, obviously, they're powerlifters, but the fact they still dabble... Was this another competition between the two of you, actually? Because I saw a video of both of you doing (laughs) it. I think indirectly, yeah. Yeah. I saw you did 10 unbroken. Uh, I only did... 
yeah, yeah. I think. The, the Look, crazy he, part. He's in Kalipa. Looking good. Nice work. All right, Kalipa. Are you guys friendly with Jason? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Jay's great. 240,000 views. <laughs> Did any, uh, the majority of your followers, do you know if they're CrossFitters, powerlifters? Like, what do they comment to that? Are they like, oh, CrossFit? Are they, are they, do they? Yo, that had a ton of hate. Cause a lot was, of hate. Because I praised CrossFit in that video. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> much respect to CrossFit athletes that can do like 50 of this in a row. It's insane. They're like, huh, CrossFit isn't a sport. <laughs> <laughs> Do, can you go to Hayden's? I want to see Hayden's video too because I was so impressed. I think, Dan, who did I watch that with? Did I watch it with you, Daniel? Um, I don't know. I forget who I watched, but somebody. Right there. Up. Oh, right there. Right, yeah. So Hayden, what I'm most impressed by Hayden is that he clearly doesn't do a lot of bar muscle-ups, but it looks like a bar stars video. Like you're so controlled. There's no big kip. I just don't know how to kip. That's like a strict You're bar kipping. muscle up, dude. Yeah, but very little. It looks like a bar stars video. Yeah, such stars. control. I mean, is that hard? I did 10 unbroken there. You could do have you done find, more. Do you find that difficult? Um, no. I don't know. I I kind of just figured that out on my own. How to, like No one showed me how to do it years ago when I was a lot lighter. So it's it's harder now. I'm like 30 pounds heavier. <laughs> hold on, but, hold on. <laughs> Hayden, did, Hayden did figure skating for three years? No. I did, yeah. Yeah, nice. did you do gymnastics too? No, but my sister did gymnastics, and I was always super competitive with her. So we used to do like anything that she could do. I would try to do it also, just so there wasn't something that she could do that I couldn't. There goes the competition. Okay, yeah. you're, <laughs> so where it stems from. You're doing there what? Like that's so you know CrossFitters. That's like the that's the like pinnacle of skill of skill. Bar muscle up? No. Just muscle ring up. Muscle I will up, ring I handstand push up into a pistol <laughs> maybe yeah, but yeah. No, that's cool. They did bike on. Is that your dog? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have two dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, so cute. I'm a dog lover. Didn't they do fight on bad with Jason Kalibo? Yeah. Yeah. You did. guys did fight on bad. What Come was that? On, how was that? That's the that worst rough. workout. But I feel ever. like I feel like it was easy, easy just because you can choose how much you want to push yourself. Right. You know, because it's like uh, every thirty seconds. Minute. Every minute. Yeah. Like every minute you have a different movement. It's like five different movements or something yep. like that. So you can choose like how many reps you want to do. Like you can totally half-ass it. And it, towards the end, I was doing like six reps. My favorite. But I was still favorite. pretending like I was like crushing. I'm like, make sure nobody's watching. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite minute is the minute of rest. No, it's not long enough. It's never long enough. That is the worst. That is honestly one of the worst workouts you'll ever do if you apply yourself. So you basically said that you you coasted. Co- yeah, but it happens. I think I yes. did. I was able to do like 20 to 25. That's no, good. Per no, round. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. You go watch the video. It's on I YouTube. Love this. Yes. The video. By the way, Jason, Jason, that's like a signature Jason Kalipa workout. Like, how like terrible can you make yourself feel for for a long period? <laughs> you of time? should have seen everyone's face when Mark was like, "All right, yeah, Jason's gonna take us through a workout tomorrow." Everyone's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> oh, this is this year at the Animal Cage. That's a cool video. Oh yeah. Let's watch this, and then after, I want to go to their hybrid performance method uh, Instagram page. Yeah, I walked by that. You mentioned it was like six people deep. I couldn't even tell what was going on in the cage. I thought it was like a dog show. Dog show. <laughs> I couldn't see anything. I could. She had, had never done anything near this prior to this either. What? So what was your previous best? Um, Why do you ever put more than 
I think, think 465 four. was my what? best for four. How are you you peering every time you step on in that cage? Because it's crazy. It's adrenaline. It's, it's magical. I don't peer like that in competition. But do, what do you attribute? It has to be adrenaline. Like, what do you attribute the ability to unlock Dude, human people, potential in that pe- cage? People come to that event to see me. Like, whereas people go to meets to watch several people, right? Like, there's many people competing, mm-hmm. maybe they're right. friends, whatever. All the people that are around there came to watch me. What am I gonna do? Shit the bed? <laughs> I just, I just find know, it amazing. Fail a squat? Yeah. Like it's impossible, dude. You're in that cage. There's hundreds of people around you. Everyone has their phone up. Like I know this ended up in the Arnold's page. This yeah. ended up in um, Reddit. This ended up in no, yeah, World Stars. Like this was everywhere. So it's like you can't fuck it up. It's impossible. So how are you, you gonna? How are you gonna? How are you gonna top that? Top that this year? I don't know. Well, it's a bit different format this year, right? This year's a bit different format. Yeah, but still. They have Ste- Steffi and then another very prominent, probably one of the most, like, iconic. highly icon- most that highly regarded, most iconic male power lifters, Dan Green. Mm-hmm. And they're they're getting to choose teams of five to go, like, head-to-head against each cool. other in the cage. So the format's different, so that'll, it's a little less pressure. Who's on your squad? Um, I have Dan Bell, Jamal Browner, Briani, and... Uh, Kaylor, Kaylor, yeah, which are Taylor. all heavy hitters. Whoever's listening, go look up all those people because they're yeah. all freaks. Show notes. Jamal, show notes. Jamal and Kyler both deadlift at the, uh, close to a thousand pounds. What? And uh, they're Dan Bell just squ- squatted over a thousand. Yeah, like <sighs> Briani, I think pulls over five hundred too. Five sixty-five, I think, is her best pull. So we've gone well over the 90-minute mark, which is good. We probably could go for another hour and a half. I feel like we could just order lunch in and sit here and keep talking. <laughs> I, we, before we leave, right, yeah. we held a story that I need to hear. So we want to – first of all, can, we were talking about whether people can go to your gym or not. And you <laughs> allow people to – yes, oh, you yeah, allow people to drop story. in, right? Oh, yeah. But you said that you have a good story. story about Conor McGregor wanting to drop in, is that? Okay, yeah, so – we at our gym if you have to make an appointment if you want to drop in right so the way it works the process is you either call or reach out uh, on the hybrid page or alex which is our general manager and you know you say hey i would want to come in for a drop in x day at x time right and that's how it works so anyway alex it's sunday night and it's like 8 p.m no it's it wasn't like 10, 10, it was 10 p.m. Late. And Alex gets a random phone call from like this British guy. And he's like, Lou, <laughs> um, uh, would we be able to uh, do a, I don't do this acting well, but do you, <laughs> would you be able to uh, do a drop in for tonight, please? And Alex is like, um, no, nah, man, sorry, like gym's closed. And he's like, um, no, really, like I really need for my uh, a- athlete to go in and train today is imperative. And Alex is like, no, man, sorry, we are closed. <laughs> and if anyone knows Alex, he's a, like a very uh, straightforward and pretty intimidating guy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. This is Especially like- if you push him, right? Like the first time he was nice. And then as he kept pushing <laughs> him, he was like, no, dude, like, stop. I'm not going to go and open the gym just for you. What do you think this is? You know, the gym is closed. I just told you go somewhere else. And he's like, all right, man, like, what if I told you that my athlete is Conor McGregor? <laughs> and then Alex goes, well, in that case, I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so he did come and train? Yeah, yeah. he did. He, Several he, times Yeah, after he that. went there a handful of times. At, actually, at our old location that was smaller, yep. that one had, it was, it was really private because it had big walls up all around the, like, courtyard area. 
and uh, you could pull in and close the gates behind you and you couldn't see anything. So before he came in, his manager was like, all right, nobody can take photos. I don't want anyone to talk to him. So Hayden right. and I, Hayden and I were in Toronto that time and yeah. we're literally, we sit down on a table, we prop up our phone with the cameras because we have like the cameras oh, on our phone yeah. and we're just Real watching time. it as if it's like a TV show. We're like, oh damn, he's using my body. How did he train? How did he train? What was like his? He was doing like uh, just metabolic conditioning. Just a lot of like. Ro- he loves the roar. What was he doing? He's doing like push press, a bunch of uh, belt squats. Belt squats. Push. Probably he's never used a belt. Sled push. But yeah, the first thing that the first thing that the security crew tells Alex is no videos, no pictures, right? And Alex sits in the back of the bench and he's like, and they spot him. He's like, <laughs> I'm sure they're used to that, you know, like propping the phone up. That's awesome. Oh that is such a good now, story. Now, have you guys spent time with him since? Because he's been in no. now. He came we in were like always a out of time, town when oh. he was in. He came maybe like five times. That was also right before he got in a little bit of uh, trouble where he smashed that guy's phone in South Beach and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, you right, know, right, right. some guy in a bar. Yeah, like, a, like a 70-year-old guy in a bar. Yeah. 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 So uh, I don't know if he's been back to Miami. I don't know. But he, don't was, know he was here for like months. So just while he was here, he was training there. Yeah. He's coming back? Yeah. To Miami? No, well, to, he's coming out. He's to gonna, to fight. gonna fight. Yeah. January eighteenth or something. Right? Yeah, man, I want I want to watch that fight, yeah. and that's not gonna be an easy fight either. No, I think people are uh, underestimating. The people guy, are totally yeah. underestimating. The, that guy has the most amount of wins in the UFC. Well, the, Cerrone, right? Yeah, he's a CrossFitter, by the way. I didn't know that. Like major. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, he drops in CrossFit gyms around the country when he. There's a lot of those uh, MMA guys that do go yeah. a lot of CrossFit. I mean, it, it's. Perfect it makes for sense. What they do. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. yeah. Interval training for yeah. sure. Um, oh, that's cool. Go so on. outside of that, my question to you guys as we start to wrap things up here, obviously we've learned a lot about your business. What would be the best way for people to get in touch with you guys individually? And then obviously what's the best way people can get involved with hybrid, buy a t-shirt, subscribe, talk to yeah. us. Yeah, uh, I think the, you know, everybody has Instagram pretty much. So Instagram's a great way to find us at hybrid performance method. Um, otherwise, check out our website. It's just hybridperformancemethod.com. And from that site, you can learn all about the programs. You can uh, chat 24 hours a day to our customer service. There's a little chat icon down there. Uh, Apparel's all linked through there. That's pretty much the, the in your, shop for everything. In your event, will be, uh, that will be the hub for your event or will it be separate? Or? We'll, we'll post about it on uh, here. Yeah. It'll have its own website. But, and uh, likely its own fa- Instagram too. And its own Instagram, but we'll blast it everywhere. We'll Great. make it as visible and as I would possible. Agree. I want to plug the merch again. Your merch is sick. I recommend everyone go and buy a t-shirt. <laughs> and I appreciate Thank it. You appreciate it. Well, and again, date for event is June, June 28th, 28th and in, 29th in Miami. Yep. In Miami in Wynwood. Great. Yes. Awesome. You, I'll be there. You can find me at Hybrid Apparel is where you find the clothing, and you can find me at Steffi Cohen. You can find me at Hayden.bo. Perfect. Well, with that said, guys, I feel like we could have gone on for another two, three hours. So have to have you back again sometime very soon. You're right in our backyard. So I hope Definitely. you guys will come back on. And uh, thank you for the time. And that'll do it for episode number two, Loud and Live Sports Podcast. That is a wrap. <laughs>